Hi folks, Chris from the future here. I don't actually have that much to say, but it's sort of become habit now, and I just wanted to say that uh, this episode contains a lot of speculation about what the year's going to look like. I can tell you from the experience of being future, past, present Chris that a lot of what we talked about either happened in the strangest way possible or didn't happen at all. But that's the nature of this sort of thing, and I think that's pretty cool. The main reason I'm here is to give my now common disclaimer that I haven't been able to sort out a more reasonable licensing situation for the music we used for the first few episodes. So until then, it's whatever non-commercial attribution licensed music I can find from around the internet. I'm a little bit worried that this bit will become the podcast. Let me know if you want that to happen. If not, we can come up with a solution other than that. I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. G'day, welcome to the getgood.cg podcast. This is the podcast where two CG artists document their journey of getting good. My name's Jaden, and this is Chris. Hi. So, first podcast since uh, the Christmas break. I think we came back a little bit later than we probably uh, have intended here, but nevertheless, here we are. Here, here we, we are. are. How was your Christmas break, Chris? Uh, I wouldn't call it a break so much as a time period where i'm trying to get stuff done and nobody else is answering email <laughs> because other people are enjoying their rusted time off from work i don't understand that that doesn't make any sense to me yeah yeah i mean other people you know they have their time off in their families um oh yeah no no i don't no. quite understand those concepts but <laughs> i mean i did uh, i did all of that but it just felt in the way of my true calling which is to slowly become a cg artist in the most roundabout way possible you know imagine if we had have just decided to not do it in the most roundabout way possible is there such just a imagine. way um i don't know i feel like i feel like there's probably a lot of people that have come to this in extremely roundabout ways <laughs> i mean well, I, I think there's that, but I think there's also enough schools pumping out graduates these days that there is a pipeline now. It's just that we didn't come through it. Well, I mean, we started that pipeline. <laughs> we are the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so for today's topics, I thought we're just going to start off and maybe touch on um, a bit of ActiBlizz. Uh, probably a little bit late on the news here, but and in case you were under a rock or not really into the games sector that much, is that uh, ActiBlizzsoft, you know, Microsoft buying out Blizzard um, and Activision. Yeah, I mean, like, um, we're a little bit up uh, late on the uptake now, which means by the time this episode comes out, it'll be ancient history. But <laughs> but we did want to maybe, we, we did want to use as a way to segue into uh, one topic, which is... Um, the monopolization of the games industry uh, and, you know, what's what's happening there and, you know... Yeah, we were talking uh, about that a little bit off mic and my question to you is do you think that that will have any effect for artists? Like, obviously, 
Microsoft has much better human resources than uh, Activision Blizzard had, so probably the people already working there will have a better time of it. But do you think that the you know the acquisition of thirty percent of the modern AAA games industry is going to have an effect on the way that us as CG artists actually approach things? Because hey, there's there is Sledgehammer here in Melbourne. It's not like it, it's unaffecting of our, even our market. Yeah, I mean, it's going to have a massive effect of the of the market pretty much across across the world. And you know, there's there's good things that will come from it. Where you know, you might get some Blizzard games on the Microsoft Game Pass, and that'll be great. Um, but it is a little it is a little concerning of uh, you know one company just being like, hey, here's thirty percent ours now. Um, it it does strike me as it leaves room in the future for some anti-competitive behavior. I mean, Microsoft was almost broken up over similar things in the past. The fact that they had the uh, Internet Explorer browser coming free on Windows for a while there, they were actively uh, under antitrust lawsuits for that. And when you look at the amount of money, this is bigger than that what was it 69 billion dollars or something yeah something just absolutely huge because microsoft i heard i don't know how true this is but i heard that microsoft was classed in america as a monopoly in the early 2000s and like if in the early 2000s they were a monopoly <laughs> then jesus what are they now well when you look at any of the uh the, the the rhetoric they're putting out about it they're like actually no we're still only the third biggest uh games company in the world behind I mean, it's like playstation and what would be the other one probably nintendo no a real underdog (laughs) they and they were third and they're like they're like see like there's still competition we're not anti-competitive but when you we're we're not we're we're still competing with the two other biggest game companies in the world what are you talking about (laughs) squishes indie you've got phil spencer there and he's like oh you know we still want to have call of duty the big like one of the biggest games in the world on the playstation so how's that going to arrive probably in the form of the playstation version of xbox game pass and at that point isn't a playstation just an xbox a playbox a playbox an x station an xbox station uh, yeah. you know i don't think i'd be allowed to have an x station in our living room <laughs> well look i i think there's going to be some good things that will come from it but it's just I, don't, I, I really just don't like the whole idea of the monopolization. But, I mean, at the same time, it's it's not like Active Lizard was exactly a small company in and of itself. No, that's, um, the, that's the thing. It, it was a... It, it's quite a huge conglomeration. Like, what I actually think... Like, all the memes that came out directly after this was all like, oh, oh Microsoft bought Blizzard. That's good. Or is that bad? I don't know. I'm confused because yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably good for the artists because the artists, the employees, because they will be treated with a much more, you know, forward facing, you know, uh, just way of working going into the future. That's good. But then also it's a consolidation of all the major IPs that aren't, you know, PlayStation exclusives. That's bad. Mm, I think. I think what I'm also really concerned about, um, I think more so, is probably uh, the software end of it, where you know Epic and Adobe 
an Autodesk just, you know, like with a slurpy straw, just sucking up all of the software. Jeez, oh, um, yeah. I mean, I'm watching one at the moment. I've mentioned on the pod before. It's like Akitsu. It's an animation software that's pretty young. They have gone stealth mode the last few months. Like they're saying, oh, yeah, we'll have like communications and an announcement at the end of quarter one, 2022. And all the people in the community just like, does the software still exist? Are we still paying for this? What's going on? And I reckon they've been acquired by somebody. I reckon somebody. Either uh, could be any of it. It's not Autodesk. Let's put it that way. Uh, (laughs) It's either Adobe or Epic. Epic doesn't really acquire things though. They just give them mega grants, and I don't know. I I reckon Uh, they've probably been acquired. They've acquired um, ArtStation. Yeah, that's true. Like they do acquire things, but I don't think Epic needs Akitsu because they're just going to keep supporting Blender. Adobe wants to keep stuff. I reckon it's Adobe. I reckon they've been acquired by Adobe. Because they wouldn't have to be so cagey about it if it was better news. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah. I, I get I get your point. Like, On a software side of things, because we have this consolidation happening, you get less variety. You get more of these subscription models hoovering up anything that's actually useful. Um, looks yeah, at I mean, Bl- Blender sitting on the hill with the rays of light, but uh, I mean, not to be the I mean, j- just so that we're not the people that are just sitting there, um, like just digging our feet and saying, yeah, no, change bad. But you know, it, it is good in that you know there there are some companies that will buy off these uh, smaller softwares, and you know they will give them the the money that they need to uh, continue to develop, but. So often it's just, and sometimes they do make the software more accessible. They will, you know, they they will go to, uh, you know, a subscription based uh, service, which, as much as people hate it, you know, allowed me to access Photoshop through legal means. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Take that as you will. Um, it's well, just, you I- know, I think that the way that they do it is a little bit scummy, but. I mean, I, I saw a thing on Twitter the other day that was like, ransomware is a piece of software that gets installed <clears> on your computer and locks out functionality until you pay a particular high price. And then the question yeah. underneath was, is Maya ransomware? Huh. <laughs> like, that's how I feel about the software as a service model. It's like, it's kind of dumb. Yeah. Like, I'd rather... I wouldn't, I would even rather not own it. Like I'm getting like almost radicalized into the free software movement. I don't actually think it's anything other than support that should be charged for. Like the tool is the tool. It's a hammer. You get a hammer, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like Bunnings having a subscription model for a hammer. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and then the hammer just stops working if you don't pay it. (laughs) Like, it suddenly weighs 200 kilos or it turns into jelly like the <laughs> that's the thing that i'm worried about and specifically i got this i got this one from uh linus tech tips actually because uh they were talking about the active blizzard thing all of the games are now going to go from the blizzard battle pass thing onto microsoft's online services which are notoriously crap like they well, are, the, like only Nintendo has worse online services than Microsoft. 
there has been talk about um, Blizzard retaining um, their Battle.net service. and They might have to. I don't know that Microsoft has the infrastructure for it. Yeah, like, you know, they're a big company, but that there is a lot of talk that, you know, they might actually retain Battle.net. They even tried to just rename Battle.net to something else. I can't remember what it was. They tried to rename Battle.net to something else and people just brown noted that they just couldn't even handle a name change of Battle.net. It was just something that was so... Well, what, it's been around since like 2004. This is like people's formative years, probably. Yeah, so, I mean, kicking Battle.net and changing the way that Blizzard do things. I mean, if it broke, don't fix. But, you know, you could probably integrate it, but you don't need to... Don't break it. From a selfish point of view, though, man, like, my main issue with playing more WoW with you was the price tag to get involved. So if that ends up on Game Pass, that's more bang for your buck. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If I... If, if it does go on Game Pass, which I really hope it does, and, you know, the price doesn't change, I don't know how much Game Pass is, um, but, you know, not only do I get access to WoW, but suddenly... Um, People don't have uh, to pay 150 US dollars to play? Yeah. And, oh, Jesus. Yeah. And um, also, in, in just having my WoW sub, I'll have access to a ton of games, which I'm very, That's true. very excited for. That is for. true. Um, I mean, from my perspective, it doesn't really matter because like there is a very thin band of games that I play regularly and it's not the popular ones. So it really doesn't matter to me. (laughs) What's interesting, you go ahead. No, no, I was, what I was just going to say is that there's a few games on there like, um, Star Wars Fallen Order that I've been meaning to play for so long. And I've just Mm. looked at the battle part of the Microsoft pass and be like, I should do that, and then I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 yeah, that's actually probably worth it. By the way, I've I've seen people playing that game; it's a really good one. Um, yeah. What gets me is that Steam saw this coming, like years ago, because they had the like the Steam boxes, which were Linux based, completely removing you know, Microsoft from the stack of PC gaming. And now they've got the Steam Deck coming out at the beginning of February or something, beginning, end of February, which does the same thing, but perfected. So I reckon Steam saw something like this consolidation happening ages ago. And they saw like the weak, the the biggest weakness in their, like this is obviously this is, this is collated opinion from other things I've been looking into to do with this. This isn't me blue skying this, but it's a really compelling point that steam saw that Microsoft, like, and having to have steam on Microsoft was the biggest weakness in their model. And they, they started creating the infrastructure to get away from Microsoft. It had to be yeah, so years autonomy ago. from Microsoft. Yeah. So wait, can can you explain a little bit more what they did to you know get some autonomy from Microsoft? Well, um, so in Linux at the moment, uh, Steam have mm. been really pushing the thing called this uh, the Proton compatibility layer, which makes it a lot easier to use Windows native games on Steam through Linux. And so when the Steam Deck, which is the handheld sort of like Nintendo Switchy thing that they're releasing. At, early this year 
when that comes out, their aim is to have almost 100% compatibility of the Steam library with that. Obviously, like everybody points out, there is no... Like most of the most popular games have their own launches and they're not actually on Steam. But that's a huge backlog of games on the that Steam is library. Yeah. Amounts and, of games. And that'll run on Linux. And because it's open source software, all you have to do is import the correct libraries and you can play PC games on any PC, Microsoft free at that point. And because that's that's a targetable platform, that's always been the problem with gaming on Linux, is because you know, there's been such a diaspora of different things that you would have to make a build for, and that's just undoable. If there's a Steam OS, that's something that people can actually target. And so people like how they release it on Mac and on Windows, they can then just release it on Steam OS. So Microsoft can't be difficult. They have to play the game because there's actually options. Ah, there you go. Steam somewhat keeping monopoly in check maybe for the maybe. right competition i mean they, but, they'd love to okay. be their own monopoly <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing like it, it's not out of generosity it's out of their own survival companies um, are not your friend <laughs> yeah you, you can always trust a company to make tr- to figure out ways to make more money um but okay worst case scenario imagine this sony goes oh shit what are we gonna do bro all right acquire steam from what I've been hearing, people are more are thinking they're more likely to acquire EA. Ah, yeah, right, true. But yeah. uh, you know, there's there's also Ubisoft, like the, all these other companies, and um, Epic, all these other companies that have their own launches and stuff, which will be interesting because they might try some sort of similar thing. They probably don't have the hardware chops that Steam has, but mm. I don't know as Microsoft's as Microsoft starts to show its teeth, you might start to see some interesting choices in the other companies that are then going to be reliant on their platform. Because with with Game Pass, they get into consoles, and then everything else yeah. is all Windows all the time. So, yeah, well, I can imagine a lot of companies, um, you know, maybe being wooed by Sony saying, "Hey, if you want to survive." Just uh, come to Papa. Come to Papa. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to get squished by Bill Gates. He's going and... to give you your vaccine. Come on, no, just come to what, Papa. Come to what Papa. was the What was the Activision Blizzard company? It was um, toys for something. Toys for. I don't know. There was a company that was acquired by Blizzard that used to make these like quirky little, you know, double A games, but then they got relegated to creating like mission packs for Call of Duty games. I was like, <laughs> so shit. no one would have gone to work for that company thinking, you know what I really want to do? I really want to get the, the, the sheen on the gunmetal grab, the Kalachnikov, right. You know, they're, <laughs> they're there to make like little quirky games about nonsense. And all of a sudden they're making like, you know, Chechnya 1993. <laughs> That's why you never show a skill in the workplace that you don't want exploited. Yeah. Like, guaranteed somebody there, like they demonstrated an ability to do that, like, or a number of people there, or they had some people join from that. And 
Microsoft was like, or whoever, no, Blizzard it's was Blizzard. like. It's Blizzard, Blizzard. Yeah, Blizzard, and, and, Blizzard and was like, hmm. The extended point that the people are making is that, that that's why this might actually be quite good for some people um, in the acquired companies is because Microsoft might redeploy those resources. They don't necessarily need those studios working on Call of Duty. They've got enough development muscle already. If there's other IPs that they're better off working on, they might actually get a little bit of independence to work on some other stuff now because Microsoft now has like huge amounts of IP, let alone any individual development they might do. Um, you yeah. might even see some of those smaller companies because Microsoft doesn't tend these days to shut companies down. They just spin them off as subsidiaries, you know? So yeah. you might see some more diversity in the type of game that we get because it's not going to yeah, be... Well, I mean- You've got Moon Studio that makes Ori in the Blind Forest, and I think they're still just, they're just sitting there doing their thing, and they're just kind of, I think they're just sitting there, they're meeting their quotas, and they are, I don't know, I could be wrong in this, but I'm assuming they're meeting their, meeting their quotas, and uh, Microsoft still gives them the money to make Ori in the Blind Forest 2 or whatever it is, and maintain the game. Well, yeah, that's, um, that's the thing, that's the thing, Microsoft is an empire, right? And here's the history degree talking empires don't survive by turning everybody into the same type of person they let them keep yes. doing what they're doing as long as they pay homage to the emperor you know yeah it's bends the knee and um you get to fine. keep sacrificing goats <laughs> exactly um well it'll so be interesting Chris, to see it'll be interesting to see yeah, yeah, I think, I don't know, I think there's definitely going to be some short-term benefits to it, where it's just, who who knows what the long-term is going to be. Could be good, could be bad, it'll probably be somewhere in the middle. I think that's why people are so conflicted, because it's like, this sort of thing, you want to feel like it's going to shake some stuff up and that's going to be interesting, but because it's such a consolidation, it almost feels like it's going to be kind of boring. Like, people want to see a bit of churn, a bit of chaos to create opportunities, but it might just yeah. be, you know, lump moves from left to right. <laughs> I don't know. I I think it's definitely not going to be a shake-up. It's just going to make, in the short term, uh, hopefully some of those uh, active Liz um, controversies a thing of the past, hopefully. Um, and... <laughs> well, I mean, that's the main point. The thing we haven't really touched on is that the only reason they're doing it is because Bobby Kotick wants to slip out the back. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm going on my island retirement or whatever the hell. It was like, I mean, he's got guaranteed like several million dollar settlement or something personally guaranteed in his contract. And like, you know, what was that nonsense about him trying to like buy some of the game's media so that like he could change the way it was like his company was getting reported on like that's the thing bobby kotick doesn't want to go anywhere he doesn't get it you know just, <laughs> his look yeah. his lawyers have advised him that this is the best move but he's like oh but why <laughs> but can i can't i just he's kind of like um the bezos of gaming companies yeah <laughs> yeah or the really really low self-awareness when it comes to public perception yeah i think um 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, what's his name? The Bezos. I think he bought out um, the New York Times. I think that's correct. And then I hadn't heard this. Yeah, I think I don't know. I could be wrong um, because you know I saw this on Reddit, and as as you all know, Reddit is the most reliable source of information in, in the world. So of course it's correct. But I did hear something about. Um, Bezos buying out, uh, I think, the New York Times or something th- similar to that. I and think then that just sort of happens. Just... Yeah, I think that just sort of happens in some people's heads where they're like, oh, how do I get better publicity? Well, you either act better or you censor publications. Yeah, and then, um, you know, speech and democracy dies in the corner. Oh, we still had those? No. Uh, <laughs> um so anyway yeah moving we should on probably to, move uh, on <laughs> moving on to the next uh moving on to the topic um so you actually we'll... got you actually got a little bit of a sneaky feature in the last <laughs> week do you want to talk a bit about that um i suppose uh yeah i mean i i pumped out a um uh, a new little diorama piece it was a westfall inspired project um i pumped it out over the course of a week and um, I, I was, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just threw it up online and um, got a comment from who was it? Someone at Blender Nation saying that they had featured in uh, uh, their work of the week um, on Sketchfab, um, or like you know, list of I think it was like top five or top ten uh, mm-hmm. Blender art of the week uh, on Sketchfab, um, and which was pretty keeping- cool. Yeah, keeping in mind that the guys who run Sketchfab also run Blender Nation, so that's that's pretty much like getting like front page of Reddited in that sphere. <laughs> I suppose, uh, kind of. I mean, I haven't really seen that much um, traffic pick up from it. Um, I mean, you're still like in the Blender sphere. The yeah, like you're still in the Blender sphere at that point. The amount of traffic you're actually going to get is going to be limited by the fact that it's Blender. Hmm. Yeah. And actually, that explains why the person that said, oh, I featured you on Blender Nation, explains why they had a staff thing next to it on Sketchfab. Yeah. I didn't realize that um, they owned it. So more than Actually, since they were acquired by... Since they were acquired by Epic, I'm not certain if they're still running it, but they definitely started Mm. it. Yeah, right, right. Well, but you know, congrats on that. Like, it shows that some of the work you've been putting in has paid off. And to me, what I found, like, it's it's good art. And what I found especially impressive was that you didn't boat it. I didn't what? You didn't boat it. It wasn't your night elf boat. Oh right, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, for anyone that's like unfamiliar with that project, is um. I, I was making like a night elf inspired boat and I just sat on it for like, I don't, it felt like maybe two months or a it month was or months, something like that. Man. Yeah, it, was... it was months on just this project where nothing was happening. It was just dead. And, and this one, this one beating is higher horse. quality. It's higher quality emphatically. And you did it in six days. And I think that shows the growth that you've put into yeah, that. Well, like that's, the, that's half of the accountability, you know? I, I will I will make a slight note about that, is that um, 
the the project had actually already been started and abandoned because it was something where I started working on it with a friend. Um, and so yeah, ah, we, that we did count. some brainstorming. Ah, yeah. well, we did some brainstorming together. And so we came up with like a concept and we like sort of started it together. And then I mean, we both th- kind of just forgot. That, that would be just the same as if you asked somebody who was a concept artist if you could make a 3D version of their concept art. Oh, well, I mean, it was, you know, equal parts in terms of the concepting, but uh, it, it was more to the point of it almost, it almost got boated. It almost turned into a night off boat. Um, and then I had some motivation to do it. And suddenly it was done, you know, a few days later. That's cool. No, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and no, so now just... I'm moving on to another, another project. Um, I won't say what it is at this point, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. you know, yeah, you don't want to deflate the dopamine <laughs> oh yeah yeah um what, so sorry, should, what were you gonna say i was just gonna say should we dig into a bit of what so i suppose that if i'm honest nothing really developed over the break for me it was just everything the same but just moved a bit slower was there anything else you wanted to talk about i don't know cg wise or career wise before we move into our plans for this year um oh well actually i've started um working as like a volunteer or intern for a game studio a game startup studio called 7d games working on a open world rpg um called spellborn um so that's pretty hopefully you'll get some pretty good experience from that um so i've only re- really recently started on it so yeah we'll see we'll see where that goes and what comes from it um yeah i, su- yeah, I suppose this point. Have you have you actually done any sort of like uh, time on tools, or has it all been sort of consultative up until this point? Uh, it's been both. Um, I I did like a bit of an art test, and I textured. Um, I think like a bag, yeah, it was a bag. And now I'm working on um, a, a main prop that will be within the game. It's like central to the lore and to the gameplay and to the interface. So. Uh, yeah, um, I'll be, hopefully I can share it at some point when it's done. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'd be a pretty cool little asset, um, that'll, I mean, good. <laughs> yeah, like he'll probably want as much, um, surface area and interest as possible. So hopefully you will get yeah. to share it. I mean, I guess if we're talking about stuff like that, that I did, um, start contributing to a group that does game jams here in melbourne which when you think about it is kind of the same thing it's just without the you know promise in quotation marks of revenue share <laughs> yeah yeah well that's the thing though i suppose you're doing something similar but on a it's on a smaller time frame and less expectation yeah and that's kind of the way i like it honestly if i'm going to yeah. be doing something for fun in this field i want it to be small and just chill yeah yeah i i've i've been thinking of doing you know we're talking about this off mic but i've been thinking of doing some game jams um and i think we're starting to get into the territory of what we're planning for this this year um yeah um even so i would almost like to put a pin in game jams as a topic for a future podcast where we can um sort of dig in a little bit deeper how we feel about it when we think they're worth doing that sort of stuff yeah um I, I yeah, I became sort of going to the game jams a little bit. I haven't done a game jam since twenty fifteen, um, so maybe I'll get some experience in game jams, and then we can come back to that. 
Mm. Um, but yeah, that's so what now I, mean. we're, I think maybe we'll touch on it once we've sort of investigated it a bit more. Yeah, well, so now we're we're going into the more topic of careers for twenty twenty two, of well, you know, self development, and we did touch on this in our last podcast, which at this point we haven't uploaded that, have we? Not as of recording. It is ready mm. to go on the audio front. Yeah. Um, okay. We just need to sort of pop it up there and spruik it. Yeah. Well, for, for anyone listening at the moment, yeah, the last podcast of 2021 we haven't had a chance to upload that yet and this is the actual while it's technically the second uploaded this is the first recorded in 2022 and so Uh, what we're sort of looking at is sort of defining the year for us because because we were talking about it off mic we were saying that the project up until now has been figuring out how to sort of without a boss sitting over you sit down and get the work done, ways to focus, way to be productive, um, mm. training training that we can do in order to be better. But I think both you and I sort of came to a certain point of frustration where there's only really so much preparation for the real work you can do. And honestly, there's only so much money in the bank. Yeah. And so I, we sort of came to this simultaneous conclusion that we sort of wanted this year to be a bit more of a year of action. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of um, the way of putting it. Last year was sort of figuring out the lay of the lands, getting some skills, um, working on portfolios, that kind of thing, figuring out what we want to do. And I think this year will sort of be the year of action. I'm not a New Year's resolutioner. No, no, definitely sort of, not. <laughs> I think it just. I think it just sort of coincides a lot with the new year of like where where we have reached in our progress um with the new year and i think that it's going to align that this year will be a lot more of a year of action for us where um i feel like as i was saying off my my portfolio is now beginning to resemble something uh worthy of showing to employers um and so i think that i'll you know, start to push that out, push that out yeah. there and, um, you know, continue to update it and supersede things off there and um, hopefully, you know, can get some pretty cool things come from that. I am in a different position. I, I've got a lot of work, like the over the last eight to 12 months, I've created a lot of work that is in a position to be finished, but because it's all been sort of focused on education the level of polish just hasn't been there because i've had to sort of put it down once it was good enough and move on Mm. to the next thing in order to keep the education going so i think this year my goal is going to be sort of to take some of those projects and dot the i's cross the t's and get them to a point where i'm happy to put them up as a portfolio piece which puts me in an interesting position because i'm just not ready to sort of apply on the back of that so i'm still going to be having to get a bit creative about how i market myself and i think i think i am going to keep freelancing but maybe formalize that as a more specific business enterprise watch this space (laughs) yeah yeah you were telling me a little bit about that off mic so once you're ready to talk about it i'm hoping that we can uh 
you know, go into that and sort of sprig it for you a little bit and maybe, maybe it can uh, work out good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, if I could just get a really chill, you know, game dev job now, I would. <laughs> um, because it's, it's the, the, the position I'm in is that I don't mind what I'm doing as long as I'm doing something in the space. But until you've got that portfolio together, it does make it tricky. And I've, I've got some very diverse stuff on my resume. So there's a lot of stuff I can do. Not a lot of it that I necessarily want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what is the stuff that you can, but not really want to do? Well, I've got a lot from previous freelancing. So a lot of like video editing, advertising, marketing stuff. Um, just as sort of like a, a side, that's probably the area that I'd be targeting any sort of business operations into because game dev is the fun thing. What they need is, you know, marketing and pr and legal services and like that's not stuff that i can provide but there's there's room in there for somebody who has those skills to help all of those areas because game devs don't really want to redeploy their artists and developers onto stuff that isn't actually for the game especially if they're a smaller studio Mm. so Mm. so you've got that little bottom feed of fish that comes to us like oh, yes, I'll pick that I, up for you. I prefer the to- the term outsourcing yeah uh, same same um outsourcing bottom feeding um <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ki- I'm kidding i'm kidding because i would totally do outsourcing given the chance <laughs> in fact it's, i have done outsourcing yeah and it's, it's at the point where like i'm pretty sure i can make some headway there it's not where i'm going to be forever but I'm just at the point where I need to pull the trigger on something. And as I say, watch yeah. the space. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you, you, your skills in animation, like you, you want to be a, a 3d animator for games and character, character animator for games. As given, far as I can tell. Yes. I was just saying, given the option. Yes. I'm, I'm flexible though. <laughs> you, you have leveled up considerably in that front and you've gotten a bunch of stuff that could be polished up and you know put into a portfolio you know so maybe what when does this course end for you uh the one i'm doing currently ends in about maybe eight weeks eight weeks yeah it only started at the beginning of january it goes for 11 weeks Oh, that's right. Because you're you're doing a you're going off the back of your previous course into a new one, weren't you? Yes, yes. So yeah, I was doing yeah, okay. body mechanics with uh, a school, and then the next uh, workshop after that is sort of lip sync and facial acting. So it's it's yeah, sort right. of I'm targeting all the places that in the past have been a little bit less uh, developed, like. Animation, I get, you know, like the the actual feeling of motion and making appealing motion, I'm across. What I don't really have is the whole acting and like pathos and giving the character life part of it. And that's what I'm working on at the moment. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, once you once you finish this course in, say, eight weeks, you know, you will have leveled up quite a bit um hopefully (laughs) and hopefully well i mean you've already leveled up a lot from your first course 
This yes, and and you know a lot of these courses, you know, there are some dark ones out there, but you know, I assume you have the ability to vet those properly. Um, well, I I sort of lucked out quite a bit because the instructor I just happened to sign up with is now sort of uh, one of the most famous animators in the world for the quality of his work. So, <laughs> so but that happened yeah. while, is that the same, while I was... Is that the same teacher that, you're, um, got, that you've got at the moment? Yes, yes. Oh, well, yeah. You know, so while, you... while I'm there, I'm just trying to soak in as much as possible, which is also why I haven't been focused on so much polishing the work because that's just time on tools what i really want is to just extract as much you know technique and knowledge that i can you are an information guy you are an information guy which can be a detriment sometimes but in this particular case i don't see a way to be in that position otherwise yeah well i mean you know once this course is over then you know who knows what you're going to do but I think you should you should probably define some goals instead of saying animator 3D character animator would be nice and I'd take it if I could you should probably you know define some goals so you know what to hit you know if you want to be an animator for games and do it um, because if you don't know where you're aiming then you're just going to be throwing things in the dark do you know Maslow's hierarchy Maslow's pyramid no I do not it's a theory that sort of, in very basic terms, establishes what a human needs to live. And it starts at sort of basic necessities like shelter and clothing, and then it moves up to food and water, and then like safety. And then at the very top is self-actualization, which is like a feeling of, uh, you know, completeness in like what you're doing. But that Meaning. requires every, every level below self-actualization requires the level below it so at the very first point you need shelter at the very second point you need safety you know and until you build up to that point you can't take what is technically ideal and that's a very long-winded highfalutin way of saying that i still need need to i need money i still need to move i sort of need to take action on this stuff now so as mm. much as I would love to plan for the medium term, I'm very much in a scarcity mindset. Now is what needs to happen at the moment. <laughs> and mm. that's not, that's not, honestly, like it's, it's nothing dire, but it's not the sort of thing that I'd spend too much time on, on the podcast. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I mean, yeah, I think the, it's going to be a good year for, probably for both of us because you're going to level up quite a lot in your animation and who knows, maybe you'll be the next entrepreneur of whatever the <laughs> hell you plan on, the next entrepreneur of outsourcing. The, the thing that I've also been thinking about though is that because I've been so laser focused on animation, I have let some other skills lapse. Yeah, And to be someone multidimensional who can fulfill a lot of these roles that makes it worthwhile being in that position, you do have to have some other skills. And so this year I will be also branching out a little bit and just casually, you know, getting back into a bit of ZBrush. I used to do quite a bit of ZBrush. I'm going to make a, a concerted effort to learn blender because a my mail license runs out in april 
And I, <laughs> I actually do think that a lot more studios are converting to Blender. So it's almost at the point where having both in your quiver might actually open up some more opportunities. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty keen to see if studios are being more open-minded to Blender because I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing most studios, they'll still have, um, what I'm saying studios, I mean like more indie studios, they're still got a lot of them have Maya. If they don't have Maya, it'll be Blender or Maya, Maya equivalent. Um, it so, seems it seems like stuff like 3ds Max and Modo and even sometimes Lightwave. That stuff's falling by the wayside a bit. I think it's sort of a game between Maya and Blender at this point, and a lot of smaller studios I think are having trouble sustaining Maya licenses for everybody who needs them, especially and, now that Unreal Engine is free. And for, I've got to with, say, with the share thing. I've got to say, like, I love, I love that the biggest, this, well, it, Blender's not the second biggest, but what it appears to be emerging as one of the, the big competitors, at least in the indie space, is an open source software. Yeah. And the, the, in, the... in an era of, like, you know, consolidation among the software technology, um, it is refreshing to see that, you know, Blender is up there and it's, it's not, you know, taking out, you know, it's not taking scalps, but it's competing. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing that you have to remember is that people love new. Blender isn't by any means the most stable product on the market, but people love new. And so the position it's sitting in right now is that something like 3ds Max, something like Mad, has established workflows. Things about it are known. Like, even if a bug's been around since the 2006 edition... Everybody knows how to navigate that. In Blender, yeah. it's the Wild West. Like, you get all the new features a little bit behind the big guys, but they get implemented very quickly, and, you know, it's move fast and break stuff, which is why I think up until now people have been quite reluctant to base a pipeline on it. Yeah. But yeah. we're moving into a stage where what they're actually basing their pipeline on is stuff like Unreal. And so the actual content generation tool doesn't have to be as stable because like Maya used to be a universe, right? Maya was where you did your rendering. It's where you did your rigging. It's where you did your animation. It's where you did your texturing, your, you know, shaders, all that sort of stuff. But now the only thing that you really have to use Maya for is animation. Yeah. And, and even then, and to like... some extent modeling, but then you've got also got ZBrush. So, eh. Well, I don't think, you know, game devs are going to be chucking in ZBrush sculpts. Um, you know, you're still going to have to consider... No, but ZBrush has box modeling capabilities and it has very mature box modeling capabilities at this point to the point where if you learn them first, they're actually a little bit easier to use, in my opinion, than modeling in something like 3ds Max or Maya. What it doesn't have is superior baking stuff. But then again, you've got stuff like Marmoset Toolbag... You know what I mean? Like my, my thing was always that a good pipeline is a robust pipeline. There are mm. now tools that are available for, you know, if you have a stable of three artists, buying them three copies of Maya 
for that you could just as easily get three copies each of all of these little softwares that do their one thing quite well yeah yeah or you could say yolo and go for blender <laughs> and go for blender and that that's the thing is that that is the wobbly area that's that's where you've got modeling that's where you've got a bit of animation that's where you've got stuff that would otherwise be quite expensive that can be compensated for by a tool like unreal mm, mm. which is and, also technically free under a certain amount of money yeah and you know if if you're making that amount of money and it's things aren't working out for you then there's probably something you're doing wrong i assume so for all intents and purposes, like Unreal's free, except for when you're doing well. Yeah. And in that case, you can afford the, it. This is my main argument. I think, I think most content development studios, even film with virtual production becoming quite popular, are going to move away from static rendering environments like plugins for Maya. They're going to move into something like Unreal because of the flexibility they have. And because of those, uh, the new formats like uh, USD, which allows you to have the same thing in every software with very little effort. Oh, and Nanite in Unreal 5. Oh, oh chef's kisses. Chef's yeah. kisses. Oh. The, I, I, it killed Tessellation, and I love Tessellation, so I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder. But the thing is, with Nanite, you can see the chip in full detail from any distance. <laughs> I, I mean i don't know what that is but sure <laughs> never mind uh just just for like lower poly like more stylized stuff mm. tessellation is sometimes a lot better perf- and a lot more performant just because it doesn't take as much to like nanite doesn't take a lot to set up that's why it's so exciting because you just sort of you know configure it a particular way and press a button right so but, you click button and it makes buttery lighting kind of yeah but then if it needs to like deform then there's problems and if it needs to like deform over time while the camera goes to a different lod like it's it's young let's put it that way yeah okay um and something i was saying off topic uh, off pod to you earlier was that i'm making you proud and i am (laughs) finally touching unreal not like, think, you know, not full commitment, but, you know, I've been dipping my toes. Well, I am very proud of you. Uh, <laughs> especially. I've, I've got to say, like, once you, once you actually learn a little bit more about Unreal, you actually feel, I don't know, I was like, oh man, I feel powerful. I was like, oh, I could, oh, it's a very much I could flexible do. software. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I was going to, if I was going to make a game, I'd still probably do it in Unity, but for all the bits and bobs that I do and for portfolio stuff, Unreal all the way, man. Yeah, I mean, what what my... I think, you know, we're just talking about what we're doing going ahead uh, for this year. And so I think what I'll be, what I'll be doing is, um, you know, learning Unreal. So I'm, I'm planning to, you know, pump out this next project that I'm working on. And then once I've done that, then I'm going to entertain the idea of doing unreal a bit more um and then maybe start to actually build some environments with um inside unreal and you know make all of the assets uh sort of yeah Look, know, I th- develop, I think develop more is... go on i was gonna say i think unreal is going to be a pretty big feature for both of us this year yeah yeah i think unreal is um 
is going to be something that will, I think, take me from being more like props sort of artist that has like a, that is attempting to pour at environments and it will take me, you know, well and truly into environment art. Well, that's, that's your eventual goal, isn't it? To your eventual goal is to be an environment artist, not just a props artist. Yeah. Environment artist. Um, you know, ideally I'd love to work in like a small studio where I'm working across both. I'm working on props and I'm also, you know, working in the engine. Um, you know, just because it keeps, it keeps things more diverse and fresh. Like, like sure. I'd love to work on wow. I'd love to have a little niche where I sit there and just like pump out these little, you know, stylized assets or whatever it is that I'm doing. But you know, when you're, I've had experience working in, um, architecture where you're in smaller studios and when you're in a smaller studio you you get spread out across more Mm. things and sure Mm -hmm. there's pressure in that and there can be some stress in that um in terms of like you've just got more to think about but it keeps things a little bit more interesting you're not just like you're not just this hammer in a production line and you just sit there and just whack thing gets moved in front of you whack moved in front of you whack um you know you do have a this bit more year, responsibility yeah th- this year i think either i'm going to start my own thing or i'm gonna find a position in an indie studio because i actually think i would prefer that diversity like you're saying i think being pretty good at a couple of things and then okay at a bunch of other stuff yeah. It would be more generally fulfilling than, like you say, with the bigger studios where you're just a content machine. Yeah, and I think you know you you'll have a lot more you'll have a lot more direction over the game and the visual style of everything. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for me, I I'd love to sort of like you know be the guy that's really good with props and can also like work well in the engine, you know, getting that in and building the worlds and designing the levels and all that sort of stuff because you know. I, supp- I suppose that does tie back to my experience in architecture, you know, building environments. I suppose, yeah, it's the same sort of thought process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I reckon, yeah, I don't know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where things go. Yeah, um, I mean, at the end of the day, there's only so much we can say from this position because we don't know what... You have to take into account the realities as well. We don't know what sort of state the world's going to be in. I have found COVID times tremendously difficult to actually network. Um, so yeah, look, we can we can but have intentions, can we? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Well, I think we're <laughs> starting to run out of time and probably ramble a little bit on this pod. Um, sure. So before, before you we'll... close it out, I do want to just address a question to the listening audience, just because. I'm interested in what they think about the smaller studio versus larger studio diaspora. I'm also interested to hear about any interesting edge cases that they've used Unreal for, because I'm I'm collecting stories like that. I'm really interested in finding new ways to use this technology, but also I'm interested in smaller projects because I think that's what Unreal does best. It's sort of it encapsulates a workflow that allows less people to do more. And I'd Mm. be really interested to hear some edge cases from our audience about that. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. I'd love to hear from people. 
um, yeah, what people what people can do in in Unreal that you know allows them to work you know on a bigger scale than you, know, you previously could a few years ago. I mean, even if it's anonymized, we could share it here and maybe it'd give some people ideas because I'm really interested in diffusing the new reality of CG because I think we are in a new age now. Because when you and I, both you and I started, there was very much one workflow. PBR was just arriving and now I think it's sort of, it's almost like there aren't workflows, there's just tools. And the more creative you can be with those tools, I think the better but sometimes I think you need maybe someone else's perspective on it to really understand the the full capabilities of those things. So it's just something I wanted to throw out there. Feel free to leave a comment wherever you're listening to this or come over to the Discord server. We are live on the pod. Um, what do you reckon, Jaden? I was thinking of doing a top 20 role assignment in the Discord server. The first 20 people that join the Discord server get a founder's role. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, could be I don't founder. actually... Yeah, like I I don't know what that means yet, but if it does end up meaning something, you'll have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we if we manage to build an empire where we take over the world, you will be a founder in our new empire. So it takes what, thirty seconds? You know we're ambitious. Yeah. Live yeah, a little. It's um the link down for that will be just near the like button. So um you know, subscribe while you're there. Oh, you're and... there, yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed, indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, Chris, where can they find you? You can find me at Animator Chris anywhere on the internet. And you can find me on Twitter at JSTO underscore art. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.